0: Welcome to another episode of the Warhorse Journal. Just about a week before Tavis Cup started, I had the honor of speaking with, Writer and author Miss Sonoma Blakely about her book, Chasing Dreams. Chasing Dreams is based on Sonoma's true life story of competing in and winning the 2019 Tevis Cup as the youngest female rider to ever do so. And because I'm editing this the day after the Tevis Cup of 2023, I am happy to tell you that Sonoma placed fourth in the 2023 Tevis Cup. I'm honored to welcome our first author to the War Horse Journal podcast, Miss Sonoma Blakely. Hi, Sonoma. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me. My big first question is, is it true that the horse that you won the 2019 Tevis with, that his name is Goober and you found him on Craigslist?
1: That is true. Yep. Goober, we got him as a coming two-year-old. For free off of Craigslist, he had OCD in his stifles. A little bit of lameness issues going on there as a young guy. He was huge, especially for an Arab. He's 16 hands. Wow. And so grew super fast as a as a young fella and had some, some issues with that in his joints. And so the lady we got him from was moving and couldn't afford to keep him. It was kind of right after that economic crash. He was born in 09 okay and so yeah we got him for free and he was gorgeous well-bred so we're like why not take a chance on him how did he get the name
0: goober did you give that to him or did he come with that we gave it to him <laughs>
1: <laughs> yep so we tried so often to give him a different name we had a whole list of names picked out for him his registered name is ra aris bay and we wanted to name him aris but we had a mare previously that her name was Eris, the other kind of Eris. And so we didn't want a duplicate name, and we tried naming him Finn. We tried naming him Brownie for a while because he was brown. We tried everything, but Goober stuck because he was always being a Goober and getting into obnoxious things. Goober, get out of there, you
0: know. <laughs> Stop doing that, Goober. So I love a horse with a quirky personality. I mean, I just... I do. I love those weird, goobery, strange personalities. I have an Appaloosa that is very funny and odd and does fun things, and I just think they're more interesting to hang
1: out with sometimes. That's for sure. Keeping you on your toes. Mm-hmm. Never a dull moment with those fellas.
0: What was the idea of taking him in? Was it just that you had more room or that he was too good of an opportunity to pass by?
1: Um, a little bit of both. It was. We had some free pasture at the time for boarding, and so we were like, you know what, we got a couple years, we'll just turn him out, let him grow up, and see if he doesn't outgrow, his, or grow into himself. And mm-hmm. so we just got him, turned him out for a few years to just grow up. And it was one of those things that if he doesn't make an endurance horse, he's gorgeous and mm-hmm. he'll make somebody a nice partner. So in our opinion, couldn't really go wrong getting him, because if it didn't work out for us down the road, then we could always find him a good home. And we wouldn't be at too much of a loss. So, yeah. And then if he did turn out, which obviously he did, <laughs> then <laughs> it would be it be a fun story. So it is a fun story. So, how did you get the idea to write a book about your story? Writing has been one of those things that I've always loved. Going through school, I always enjoyed writing. I, my brother and I, when we were little kids, would always sit in our treehouse and just write for for hours, odd stories, you know, whatever mm-hmm. fiction stories stuff like that. And so I've always loved writing. And then it kind of started when I was asked to write an article for the Tevis Forum about my Tevis win, that I was writing out um, my article. And then I realized there's so many different ways I could go with it. Hmm. And I only had like 800 words or 1000 words to put in that article. So then for myself, I just started writing out more of the story. I was like, you know what? If in 20 years I it won't be as fresh, I won't remember all the little details of winning Tevis. Mm-hmm. So I'll just write them down. So I started writing that without the objective of publishing. That was something that was very daunting on me. I didn't really want to pursue publishing at that time. And then later, a few months after I'd written out a little bit, I got a call from a film producer about my story. Mm-hmm. Um, So then he was talking to me about rights and film rights and all that stuff and a movie outline. And I was like, can you write out a movie outline for me? So I go on Google and I'm looking up how to write a movie outline Mm -hmm. and all that stuff and realize that I don't know what I'm doing. And so I wrote out an outline, but it turned out to be a book outline. Mm -hmm. And so the movie thing didn't develop. Nothing really came of that. But I now had a book outline and started fleshing it out and realizing that I had enough material to write a book to make a long story out of it. And so began fleshing it out, wrote, started in 2020. It was right before COVID. I'd started on my first couple of chapters and took me a while, about a year. My first draft to get it all to where I was happy with it, where I liked the ending and then, yeah, so that took took a long time to get there. finished my, my first draft and stuff. I was pretty insecure about it. I don't know. Sharing your writing with the world is kind of a, a scary idea for me. Just because yeah. it's, it's kind of private and personal and a little bit, you know, reveals a lot of what's inside your mind mm-hmm. versus mm-hmm. Just what you let other people see. And so then I let a couple of my really good friends that I was like, be really well, I let my parents read it first. And of course they're my parents, so you know, they're gonna tell me they love it. And then I let a couple of my friends read it and they were like, Sonoma, you have to publish this, it's just it's amazing. So then that kinda took away a lot of my doubt about myself and about my writing. Thanks to their support to began looking into options towards publishing, which honestly the publishing part took way way longer than the writing itself and then the editing mm-hmm. so long. And I was like, oh, I'd rather wait. We'd rather go out and ride a hundred miles any day <laughs> than sit on my computer and send emails to agents and mm-hmm. all that fun stuff, you know, mm-hmm. so... was a lot a lot of work but Mm -hmm. we're finally here we're
0: that's amazing and I love your title chasing dreams it's it's inspirational just in itself because it sparks that thought inside of title chasing dreams like oh yeah you know that's something everybody has some kind of a dream that they want to chase so tell me about how you came up with your title and also
1: um tell me about the dream you're chasing that's a great question I think coming up with that title, it was one of those things where I was trying to find a theme that I could tie in to the whole book. As a little girl, I was six the first time my parents went to Tevis, and I think just sitting in that stadium, I was six years old, could ride, but you know, not super well, as well as a six-year-old can ride, I guess, Mm -hmm. and just watching that Hagen cup showing and being around the Tevis atmosphere and realizing that this is what I... I wanted to do someday I really wanted to do the Tevis Cup and I think it even started a little bit before that when my parents were introduced to the sport seeing that cougar rock picture and being like wow that's that's attainable that's something that I could maybe do and not something that you just see in movies and realizing that okay maybe I should you know set that as a as a goal for when I'm 12 when I can ride the race and then just kind of throughout my horse Goober other horses that I had planned to take to Tevis just things that came up along the way of going to Tevis and then of course that ultimate goal of wow what if someday I could win Tevis definitely a big dream sometimes you know Mm -hmm. I still have to pinch myself and it's amazing that it's one of those dreams that you know sometimes yeah you're chasing it and you don't even realize you're chasing it but Mm -hmm. then as you look back in retrospect you realize that you know you this is a a huge dream that you've had your entire life. Everything, or not everything that you do, but so much of it, of your life, is revolved around that dream. And so that there's a lot of little dreams that I've had Throughout my life, you know, little little goals, but then that ultimate goal of of winning Tevis someday.
0: Tell me, what does that journey give you? Because you, you've you done the Tevis before, but taking Goober from Craigslist and mm-hmm. bringing him up from barely two years old, accomplishing that with him, I mean, that whole journey,
1: what did that mean to you? Um, no, I 100% agree with that, that the journey was, was amazing. It was way more satisfying especially to be able to to take a horse like goober people had given up on him over the years we dealt with a lot of of complications with him with you know his personality and also with some of his health issues that he had along the way and so then journey is really so much better and especially that win is so much sweeter just because you know that you've changed someone or a horse's life Mm -hmm. along the way that given them an opportunity that maybe they wouldn't have had and then also just for yourself it's that pride of okay someone didn't just hand this to me I worked and fought and nail and tooth for this and blood sweat and tears you know so that's definitely yeah something that it's more than than just that that winner that one race but it's definitely the journey that has impacted my life and I've learned so much from it. And I think especially in my book, you know, opening up to not just the highs of endurance racing, but also there were plenty of lows. And so it's not all just fun and out riding your horse. And there is definitely a lot of of rough things that have happened that have added to the journey. So I am
0: going to ask you to give a brief overview of the book. But what you just said made me want to bring up a point that some days you don't feel like Conditioning. Or some days you don't feel like you have the energy left to go ride. And can you kind of speak to that? Is that part of, I mean, you have to work for it. This is not something that you can just take your horse and go do. You really have to prepare for this. So were there days where you just didn't feel like conditioning, but you did it anyway?
1: There have been countless days that I felt that way. And, you know, there's a, especially getting ready for a race like Tevis when it's, important that you don't miss any training rides or that you're reading your horse and and then also the the heat training you know in Oregon we really can't compare to that California heat just because we're we're at a pretty high elevation and we live not far from the mountains so we always got a nice breeze going on and so when it is hot out we have to really make those those rides count and so there's a lot of times, you know, maybe my friends will be heading to the pool because it's hot and I'll be like, well, I got to go, I got to go ride. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I got to go saddle up my horse and get, get him ready for the canyons at Tevis. And you know, I enjoy those days, but there's every once in a while where it's like, you know, is this really, is this really worth it? Cause I'm pretty sweaty here. And I don't think yeah. I, I look like the prettiest person around, yeah. you know, <laughs> covered in sweat and everything, but it's, it's definitely one of those things where it's been such a lifetime of dedication to the sport that I've gotten used to, I guess, those days where you're you're definitely not feeling like it, either it's, it's snowing or it's 100 degrees, and you're like, okay, well, it's a training day, so better go
0: saddle up. So although this is an equestrian-themed book, I feel like your title hints at chasing dreams, and like what we just said, there's There's things you have to overcome to, you know, stack those successes and stack those conditioning to get to where you're going. Would your book speak to a larger audience of people who maybe don't ride?
1: I think it would. I've tried to tone it down like the horse terms make them more, you know, accessible to everyone. So it's understandable without, you know, being too basic because, then it'll take away from the the endurance riders or things like that. But yeah, definitely try to focus it towards an audience. I think especially young women, um, maybe girls that are trying to figure out what they want to do in life, you know, really to pursue a passion and that it's, it's attainable for everyone in that little girl from Oregon that, you know, dreamt about things, but didn't maybe think that they were possible or achievable. But um, I feel it's a well-rounded book that anyone will enjoy reading. It doesn't have to be a writer.
0: So Sonoma, can you give us an overview and then possibly read us a section of it? Yeah, for sure.
1: The book, it starts out, it's with an introduction that just introduces the readers to the Tevis Cup in a more formal setting so that everyone knows kind of what the Tevis Cup is, what is going on, and then it goes, it jumps into the middle of the race, um, Tevis 2019 for about a page and then jumps back to how my family and I got started into the equestrian world and then into endurance riding. First rides, my first races, Kid and Goober, and then over the next few years, Just some of my own personal goals or dreams that I've had of, you know, competing at the Tevis Cup. My first Tevis 2013 had a really terrible accident, Um, and so then just some of that, the insecurities that came with that. And then connecting with Goober through some things that had happened to some other horses that had happened in my life to where we kind of formed this bond. As Goober and I were bonded, we're besties, you know, and then... Things kind of, life changes, you know how it is. A lot of different circumstances where I, I still had this goal, still had this dream, but to take a step back, to reassess, winding up to Tevis 19, where somehow everything came together that, okay, here's, here's something I didn't necessarily, wouldn't have thought a couple years ago would be possible. Kind of a play-by-play through that race. There were so many things that happened that day that, you know, I think a lot of people really aren't aware of and that super close race in with Jeremy Reynolds. And it's kind of interesting to give a little bit of that backstory.
0: Sounds like you covered so many aspects that would be so interesting to hear. I definitely am going to do my pre-order today.
1: Aw, thanks. That's, that's exciting. Yeah, Save the Best for Last. It has a, a pretty exciting ending that I think a lot of people won't be expecting, that I definitely <laughs> wasn't expecting. It was one of those things I had to put in after the book was, edited and kind of on the way to the printer and we had to, we had to call it back and add in an extra ending so definitely a, a big twist there that's pretty exciting. So
0: do you have a small section of the book that you can read to the listeners?
1: I do. So this is chapter one, an introduction to Endurance. What the heck am I doing? Well, it's now or never. These thoughts raced through my mind to the ryth- rhythm of my horse's hoofbeats as we galloped along the winding banks of the American River. The long, wearing day in the saddle had brought exhaustion, both physical and mental. But now was not the time for self-doubt. Only 11 miles to go. If everything goes as planned, we will be done in an hour and a half. Under normal circumstances, making it through these last 11 miles through California's gold country would be a challenging feat in themselves. But compared to the 89 miles we had already conquered, I didn't even bat an eye at the winding inclines leading to the Auburn Fairground.
0: And I love that. I'm so Thank you for reading that to us. Also, I was wondering, this seems like a huge jump from from the topic, but aside from writing and writing, what else do you enjoy outside of that?
1: I love traveling. Traveling is huge, and I do a lot of volunteer work. I make time for it throughout the week. So between that and working and horses doesn't give me a whole lot of extra time for hobbies.
0: Do you have new goals for yourself, or what do you see coming up soon in your
1: future? I guess the weekend after for Tevis in eight days or nine days. I'm really hoping to get a completion on my my boy, um, Cardamom. He's my up-and-comer I got few years ago, and he's eight this year. So we're really shooting for that Tevis buckle on him. I, there's something so satisfying about bringing up your own horse and then taking him to Tevis. So we're, we're shooting for that buckle after that longer-term goals. I would love to be able to give back to, you know, the community and Mm -hmm. do a lot more volunteer work. I would love to move somewhere maybe as a missionary. I feel like I have been really blessed and have been able to do a lot, accomplished a lot in my life, and I'd really love to be able to give back, help others, also give hope. There's not a whole lot of hope left in the world, I think, and so it's something that's really important to me.
0: I love that about you, Sonoma, because I believe in that, too. I believe that there's a lot of darkness in the world, and then... That is why the Bible says, don't hide your light, that you need to let it shine. And so I believe that greatly. We try to give back with the Warhorse challenges. And when you say, you know, there's not much hope in the world, I do feel that. I feel like there's a lot of bad news out there. But then we have a family verse, and it's even in my old horse trailer. I had it put on the door. I prayed about it a lot. And, you know, that verse is trust in the Lord and do good. It's Psalm 37, 3. And it's what I kind of always come back to when I feel like things are a lot, things are much going on in the world. I always come back to, you know what, just trust God and do good. It comes down to that one sentence for me. So I'm pretty pretty impressed that you want to pay things forward in your life. And I think that's a very admirable goal
1: to have for the future. Thanks. And yeah, I, I love that too. Psalms 37 is definitely one of my favorite chapters. So I think that's amazing. It's, it's very amazing what can be accomplished mm-hmm. through God's word.
0: I'm not pushing my beliefs on anybody. I'm just sharing my life, really. And, and so are you. And I can see that you are quite bright light out there. And I have so many questions I want to ask you about Tevis and endurance, but I think we're going to save that for the Endurance Horse podcast. What I did want to ask one question about Tevis, and that is, I have heard that there's magic on the trail. Now, I get, I when I ask this question of people, some people are like, "Nope, it's just another ride. It's all business, and it's just another ride." But then there's other people who will say they have at least like one magic moment, whether that's riding in through Forest Hill or down into the American River, or if things are just right somewhere. Can you share with me, um, out of any times you've been on that trail, have you found some magic out there on
1: the trail? Yeah, Tevis Tevis is definitely a very special ride. I don't, I think it's like any other ride. I'm I'm not sure what it is that makes Tevis so you know, magical or special. Um, but there's definitely been a lot of times where you're just you're on the trail, you're with your horse. For me, I think it was probably my first. Tevis experience when I can think of like the most breathtaking experience. I was 12. I was riding my dad's horse and he was, you know, carrying a 12 year old through Tevis used to my dad's weight. It was just kind of pretty easy ride for him that year. Mm-hmm. And we were, it was probably like three in the morning, two in the morning. I was exhausted. My brother had just been pulled. I was heartbroken, you know, this was something that I was, I was going through. And then we come up to the American River Crossing and just that full moon reflecting on the water and the glow sticks and realizing here I was, well, wow, something a lot of 12-year-olds would probably never experience. Mm-hmm. And I was riding with both my parents. My horse was doing great, and it was and just a magical moment.
0: Is there anything else you would like to add that
1: I haven't asked you about? have a lot of people to thank and a lot of support going into writing this book. If anybody wants to sign copy or any of that, I can can facilitate that. So especially people that have me along in my endurance journey, I'd like to be able to do a small thing and write a a personalized note in a book.
0: Aside from Amazon, are there other places that people could buy your book?
1: My publisher is still working on some other places. There's like local stores that are going to be carrying at tax stores here in Oregon and Barnes and Noble mm-hmm. will have it an ebook release too
0: for on Kendall then yeah absolutely so, I feel like good. I could talk to you all day but I know you're you know, like you said you're just days away from your next Tevis competition and I know you have so much to get done is there anybody you wanted to thank you on that journey of, of writing the book and getting to get into Tevis my
1: parents have been an amazing support for me. I definitely would never have even dreamt about all this hadn't happened for my amazing parents. And my brother, a huge support. And my best friend throughout the year. And Goober, of course, little Goober. Gotta thank (laughs) him too. (laughs) He's, you know, keeping me on my toes and making life interesting. Never, you know, a dull moment when when he's around. So, yeah.
0: Tell me... Before we go, tell me one of the weirdest or most unique things that Goober did to earn him his name of Goober.
1: Oh my goodness. Where do I start? Um, He would rip everybody's blankets in the winter. He would go around and find a seam and rip blankets. He would untie everybody if they were tied up, he would go around and untie them. He was great with knots. He would open the gate, let everybody go running through the neighborhood. On training rides, even yesterday we were out riding him. And if he gets sweaty, he doesn't like to sweat a whole lot because he gets really itchy when mm-hmm. he's sweaty. So we'll be walking, and he'll just run into the trees to brush off the sweat. <laughs> just go and itch on the junipers. If riding him through like a sandy patch, he'll if we are walking through the sandy patch, he wants to roll in it. he will just kind of stop, and if nobody's on him with his saddle and everything, just start rolling in the sand. And be like, I'm itchy, guys. <laughs> so yeah
0: lots more we have one with a personality a lot like that little appaloosa we have out in the field (laughs) so we better
1: not get him and goober together that'll just be too much
0: (laughs) yeah yeah they would definitely play halter tag and probably rear up at each other and chase each other around the pasture for sure well dear you have a good time at tevis and i'm gonna go order my book now thanks so much bye now bye